let's turn to Psalm 119. I'm going to read verses 161 to 168. We're almost done with this. And I've really enjoyed even studying this again. It's just always good to see what God has in his word. And David, when he writes this, it's all about God's word. And so let's look at Psalm 119, verses 161 through 168. It says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one of that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but, but, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. Great, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hoped for, my, for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. I think Psalm 119, 165 is probably one of the second or third most um, recognizable verses in this chapter. It says, great peace, what? It says in 165, great peace have they which, and nothing shall offend them. I think the only one that I think is above that is, thy word have I hid in my heart, and it's sin against thee. But here's a verse that we all know, and we're going to look at that in just a second. But I want you to see three things. We're going to answer three questions tonight. The first one is, how we should act from God's word. Number two, what do we get from God's word? And number three, what do we keep from God's word? There's, there, are two, there, there are distinct questions. The first one is how we should act from God's word. We see people going crazy over sporting events and they're excited about their team. But how long does it last, really? It doesn't last that long, right? Can someone, who's a big football fan in here? Anybody like football? All right. Could you tell me the last 10, 10 teams that won the NFL Super Bowl? Probably people can't because it's short-lived. And even the championships of the NCAA, most people don't even know. Now, if your team won, you know what year it was. But for all, all aspects of it, we sometimes get so excited about things, and they're temporal. And here, you're going to look at the first four verses. We're going to look at these, look at these words, and, and, I, and I've highlighted them in my Bible with blue letters, the word all. We don't use that very much. All. And, and then it says in verse number, the next verse, the, the word rejoice. And the next verse, 163, says the word love. And then verse 164 says the word praise. You know, when you put all these things together, we should act like these words when it comes to the Bible. We should be in awe of what the Bible says. We should also be rejoicing for what the Bible says. We should be loving for what the Bible says. And we should be praising for what the Bible says. Speaking of praising, we're going to get to this in just a second, but I'm going to ask seven people to give a praise because in this, in this, ver in this verse it talks about seven times does David praise the Lord in, in his life every day. But let's look at these and break these down, how we should act in all. Look at the first verse. It says, Princes have pers persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Basically, he's saying in this verse that there's people in authority without cause that are going after him. But it says, it's an interesting statement. You don't hear this very much. It says, but my heart, what's the next word? You don't usually put this word with your heart, but my heart standeth in awe because he's looking at everything that's going on and he's just in awe and he's standing upright to God and saying, listen, this is amazing. And why is it amazing? Because it goes back to the word. We've got to understand we have a living word right here and this living word will help you through situations. You have an attitude, it'll get you through that attitude. You have a depression, it'll get you through that depression. 
You have a friend problem to get you through that friend problem. You have a financial problem to get you through that. We have a book in our, in our hand that, that holds the key to every, every aspect of our life. And David is saying that it, he didn't just say a man. Look at, his, look at the first word in here. He's saying princes. He's saying that these, this man, these people are in authority, hold a position, and they're saying things without a cause towards him. But while he's going through this turmoil, his heart is standing in awe of thy word. Because he knows that word is going to be his, his, his safety net. That word's going to be his shield. It's going to be the rock that he can stand on. So when you're going through things, here the writer of, of Psalm 119, which I think is David. He's saying, listen, people are saying, doing things, and you know what? It's without a cause, but I can't defend them. But what, while I'm going through this, this turmoil, this, this, this hurricane that's going around him, he's sitting there going, hey, I'm in awe of what God's word is. Aren't you, aren't you amazed what God's word will do? And I've, I've challenged you to do this. Pick a story and read it seven days in a row. You'll get something different from it every day. You will. You'll get something different from it every day. You know, we went over a little bit in our Sunday school class about the book of Jonah, the first, first chapter of Jonah. And one of the things that, that hit me with Jonah is he knew that he was the one that was wrong, right? He told them that. They cast lots and knew it was him. And yet he looked at them and said, you've got to cast me over the side. And I brought this up in my Sunday school. How come he didn't just jump over? He didn't want to. But you know what? He could have. But he made them grab him and throw him in the water. And so when I looked at that, I thought, man, that's an awesome, that's what we do sometimes. We know we're wrong sometimes. But we have to make God show us and bless God, I know I should jump over into the water to save these people, but I'm not willing to do that. And so we, I'm in awe of what God's word does. And, and that word awe, what does that mean to you? I almost sit back and go, this is unbelievable. And, and David is saying, I look at the law and it's unbelievable in my life. When I'm going through these, this turmoil, I can still stand in awe of what the Bible means to me. And my heart stands up for it. So the first thing, we've got to be in awe. Don't, don't just, Americans have so many Bibles. Anybody want to take a guess on how many Bibles you have at your house? Or in your possession? Anybody want to guess? Someone get, Mark, how many Bibles do you think you have? At least a dozen. I probably have about 30. You know, I've got all different kinds, Thompson Chain, I've got Schofield, I've got Open Bibles, I've got um, Wide Margin, I've got Large Print, praise God for Large Print, Amen. And um, I mean, I've got small Bibles. I got pop Bibles. I, I have a Bible in my, on my phone. My Bible on my phone is an incredible Bible with what I can do with it. I have two different Bible programs on my computer. I have Bibles that people have given to me. I have my mom's Bible that is a loose leaf Bible. You can actually take pay, pick pages out of it and then move them around. So if you wanted to preach, you could put them all in a row. But then you got to remember to put them back because the next time you try to find those, they're not where they need to be. I've got a family Bible. I've got a Bible from my, from my grandmother. But we, we have so many Bibles that we get used to them. It always amazes me when people say, well, I used to get upset at teenagers when they leave their Bibles at church. But then I found out they had other Bibles at their, at their house. And so we've got to understand that when we look at this, we should be in awe of it. 
I mean, it's something that we should be, I'm, I'm telling you, there's going to get a day where you wish you, you were in awe of it. The world is waxing worse, but God has not changed. Through everything, our heart can stand in awe of this. So look at the next verse. I like this verse. I like this word too. The rejoice. I rejoice at thy word. You know what, what God, what's God's word there for? It's to correct you. It's, it's to direct you. There's many different things that it does. And that correcting thing, are you, are you rejoicing over your correction? Growing up, when your parents corrected you, were you like, oh, thank God they're correcting me? Because that's what the Bible does. You know, if, if you put verse 161 and 162 together, which they are, Think about this. He's saying these people have done some things about it. I'm in awe of what the Bible says, but I also rejoice at it. I rejoice at that. What does that mean? I'm exceedingly glad for what it stands for. This is your stable. This is your stability in your life. Everything else will change. When you get older, everything changes. Amen? I mean, like I said before, sometimes it's hard to bend over and pick up things. I remember one time Randy and I were playing and the basketball rolled between us and we were on opposite teams and we knew we couldn't get to it, but those little young guys that were playing basketball with us could, so you know what we did? We kicked it. <laughs> we both looked at each other and we said, we can't get over, we can't, we can't bend over fast enough to pick that thing up. But, but there would have been a time when I had a dove on it, but I can't do that anymore. But aren't you thankful you have a stability in your life and it's this? You have something that's awe in your life. You have something that's rejoicing. Look at the next part. It says, as one that findeth great spoil. Now, you can, you, if you switch over and understand what he's talking about, when he's saying spoil, he's talking about something he wasn't expecting, and it's a treasure. It's not, it's spoiled. That's not the word it's talking about. But can you imagine when you, you have something in here and you go, okay, I am rejoicing over this because it's like a great treasure in front of me. And just like the, I don't know who picked that song, the first song. Who picked the first song about the Bible? Who did that? Over here. If you read those words, that's exactly right. Sin will try to get you out of the Bible. And the Bible will get, keep you from sin. That's what it's there for. I don't know the song as well, but I'm telling you what's what the Bible's for. And we got to get back to understand we need to rejoice over it. Rejoicing means what? To be exceedingly glad. Well, I don't know. I, I, I feel like sometimes as a pastor, you have to, it's like a locomotive. You ever been in a train? You got to get it going. It's, and it's a slow moving train. Amen. And you, you see it. And I'm trying to get you to understand that, hey, the Bible is the best thing in your life. It tells you, go to the back of the Bible in Revelation, what's it tell you? It tells you how it's going to end. You know what? It's not missed anything. There's been predictions. How many of you love, love it? Whenever I hear people say, the Lord's coming back uh, uh, such and such a day, and it makes the national news. You know why they do that? Because it makes Christians look foolish. My Bible tells me I'm not going to know the hour. I don't know, I don't know when it's going to happen. But I can rejoice when it happens. And you know what? During my life here, even going back to that first verse, even during turmoil, I can rejoice because it is my stability. What did David say when he was, when he was going through storms? He said, my strength is what? In the Lord. My strength is in the Lord. 
So we have the awe of it. We have a rejoicing over it. Now look at the next one. It says, I hate and abhor lying. It's interesting David would say that. Because he tried to lie when, with what happened with Bathsheba, but he got caught, and then he recanted it. He, he asked God to forgive him, and he spent a lot of time going over it. I am tired of these political ads. I will be glad when end of, middle of November come, and I hope they don't have those, some of I'm going to date myself, I don't know, the hanging chads. I hope there's nothing like that. Oh, my word. You get where you watch a commercial and you go, I don't like that guy. And then there's a opponent to get on, I don't like that guy. And you realize you have to choose between the two that you don't like. Don't you think some of those ads are lying? Someone's got to be lying. And, and it's a word we don't use a lot, abhor. That's a strong hatred. So David's saying, listen, I don't like people lying, and it's a strong hatred. Why is that? Because read the verse, it says this, it says, but thy law do I love. Do you love it? God wants you to. He wrote it as a letter to you. And you know, some of these people in the Bible, they did some wicked things. There's just no way you can look at Lot's life and go, hey, he was a great man. Think about it. What would you do if they used your, your, ver, your name, your story in the Bible? What would they write? Well, why is it that sometimes we look at, the, look at the Word and we sometimes don't love it? Because it points out our flaws. And here's a man that everybody that's a Christian knows what he did. They, get, they peg him for two things. What do they peg David for? First of all, he fought Goliath. And the second thing, right behind it is what? His relationship with Bathsheba. And yet he still writes, knowing full well that it's going to be written about what he says. He says, I still love thy law. You know, there's something about these three words, in awe. I'm in awe of what God's word is. In, in the midst of a storm, I'm in awe. You know what? I'm going to rejoice with, when I see God's word and I, I read his word. And I'm also going to love it. And so here he goes in verse number three, I hate and abhor lying. He doesn't like that. God doesn't like that. And can I tell you something as a Christian? If God doesn't like it, we shouldn't like it. I don't know where this world's going, but I know one thing. God has not changed his position on anything. I know a lot of people that have changed their position on things. I know preachers that have changed their position on things. I know preach, I, there's a preacher friend that was a dear friend of mine. And he's just went wayward with some of the things that he's done. I, he's went to the point of, living in with homeless people to show that he could do it. But what I thought was so funny about that is he's got an iPhone and he's, and he's doing his video of what he's doing. And I'm thinking, how many homeless people have top-notch iPhones? But he wanted to show that he loved homeless people. I don't have to act like a homeless person to love homeless people. But, you know, we go on tangents with these things, and, and we love the wrong things. Here it's saying, you need to hate and abhor lying, but you need to love the right things. Now go to verse number 164. It says, seven times a day do I praise thee. Now let's figure this out. 
The average person sleeps eight hours a day, correct? How many, how many hours does that leave in a, in a day? Hmm, some of you are going, this is late in the evening. Well, we've got someone that can do this really quick. Bernard, how many hours is left? 16. So if you, praise God, seven times a day, it's basically every two hours. Pretty close to every two hours. Do we do that? Hmm. I wonder if we do. I don't think we do. Because there's times in my life where I can go a whole day and praise the Lord for, thank Him for His food. I have my prayer time. But sometimes I don't thank Him seven times a day. Why do you think David wrote this? He wanted us to see that it's something that's very important. Don't go two hours without thanking God for what He's done. Okay, on that note, I need seven people to tell me what they're thankful for. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. But seven things. We're going to ask seven people. One, two, three. I want some men up. Four, okay, Terry. Four, five. I need two more men. Six, seven. All right, here we go. Go first. What are you thankful for? Homecoming was a great day. And she, did you hear what she said, Patsy? She was thankful for you. I was thankful for Patsy. Whatever she did to that chicken, that was amazing. <laughs> that chicken was definitely from Texas, amen. I put it on my plate and it's half my plate. If you weren't here, there's, I had a chicken breast that was this big. I was like, wow, you know, and um, amazing. It was really good. M many desserts. We had, a, we had a great time. Who was second? There was a, over here, yes. Prayer works. Thankful for prayer. Over here, I had a third lady. Who was the third? Okay, yes. Well, I'm just thankful that when we would go home, we don't have to worry. Pray somebody's going to break in on us. The Lord takes care of us. Amen. And I'm also thankful that I am able to read, and I can read God's Word. Amen. Yeah, do you realize how many people can't read? Can you imagine that? And safety. All right. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Erin got in a car wreck. Her neck's sore. Keep her in your prayers with that. But praise the Lord, she's doing okay. I saw one over here. Bobby, did you have your hand up? Amen. Amen. All right. There was two other men. You were one of them. Yes. You're, you're what? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Who was another? Who was the other guy? Okay, yes. I'm thankful for my family, for my wife and my son, and then also our church family. Amen. Amen. You know what? There's so many things you can praise the Lord for. So many things. And so often we, we, we kind of search for these things. What, what can I be thankful for? Don't forget, November's coming, and every week in November, we have a little treasure up here. Remember that? 
and you have to put 10 things in you're thankful for every service. You say, well, that's a lot to be thankful for. You know what? You got so many things to be thankful for. You know, and I'm not going to read them. That chest from last year is in my office still with the ones from last year. But can I tell you this? Last year's blessings are not this year's blessings. There's always something. They might be a repeat of some of them, but there's always other things. Amen? Um, think about health. I mean, your health can go around really quick. Go away. I mean, you can walk and you can fall and you can do certain things and everything changes in a heartbeat. So well, there's always things we can be thankful for. And I make it a point in my life in November to just start, because it's thanks, Thanksgiving and all this, it just resembles it, and all the colors and the beautiful aspects of what wor the world is, that we can just be thankful for things. There's nothing wrong with praising the Lord. The world praises other things. We need to praise what, what really deserves praise. That's why God, God created us to praise Him. If you have a child and that child says, thank you, mom and dad, for what you do, how do you feel with that? It really blesses your heart. Look at what it says in here. It says, seven times a day do I praise thee. But you know what's interesting about it? He tells you why he praises things. It's not because he has everything that he wants, right? What does he say he's thankful for? God's righteous judgment. That's how important it is, this righteous judgment. He says, listen, I, I am so thankful. I'm praising the Lord for his righteous judgment. So we have, what, how should we act for, from God's word? We should act in awe of who he is. We should be rejoicing. We should be loving. We should be praising. And what do you get from God's word? There's two words, and they're found in the next two verses. You get hope, and you get peace. You get hope, meaning God's still in control and peace, and you're accepting that he's in control. Go to this verse in verse number um, um, 165. It says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Wow. You know, Paul writes it in another way. He says this, I die daily. Do you see where, where they're, they're running side by side? The first one says, you know, I have great peace because nothing shall offend me. It says, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend thee. Because he's got the right attributes and he's got the right respect for God's word. He's saying, listen, if I live th this way, people will, what did Jesus say to his disciples? Jesus said that if you're going to follow him, you're going to have some turmoil. You're going to have some people go against you. You're going to have some people say things about you. But he says all the way through it, you need to understand that I'm still here. And it says in this, it says, great peace have they which love thy law. So when you go through a turmoil, you go through a problem, you can still have peace in it. I don't know what your turmoils are. Could be a health issue. Could be a financial issue. Could be an attitude. Could be what you listen to. Because what you listen to will affect you. If you don't think that's true, you've never watched a movie. Because I'm telling you, Bruce Fry, he's been here before. He told me, he said, I can play a song, you don't even have to know the words, and I can make you cry from it. And he said, it's not because I can't play it well. He said, because it, it, it sets a mood. But then I can play another song that makes you want to get up and do stuff. Amen? 
Word, music, and thing, other, there's many things that affect you. But you know, in this he's saying, David's saying, listen, I'm going to have great peace because I love your law. I'm going I'm to accept your law. It's going to be the best thing for me. But nothing shall offend me. That's why when Absalom went after him to take his, take his kingdom, he wasn't offended by it. He was hurt, but he wasn't offended by it. Because if he was prideful, what would he have done? It would have been army against army. And that's not what he did. If you want a true picture of Christ in the New Old Testament, it's the way David responded to adversities. He was not going to do anything that God didn't want him to do. And you think about his life. The only thing we know that he did wrong, and I'm sure he did others, but the one thing we know is what he did with Bathsheba. And did he make it right? Did he lose something from it? Absolutely. But until you get to understand that you need to die daily, things will offend you. Things will offend you. And David, looking at this and saying, I want this, I want this peace. I want this hope. And through all these circumstances, you know what? I'm just going to give it over to you, and nothing will offend me. Everybody in this room I think Bruce Fry wrote this, said this when he was here. He said, offenses will come, but it's your choice to be offended. I wrote that down in my Bible last time he was here. Offenses will come, but it's your choice to be offended. Okay, let's just be down to the, down to the level with you. Have you ever said something you didn't mean? Have you ever said something that didn't come out Right then how come we don't accept that when other people say they're sorry? <laughs> because I've said things that go, oh, wow, how am I going to get out of that one? Why did I just say that? Have you ever been there? So, but we don't put the other people in the same aspect as us. And you've heard me use this illustration. How many times have you ever saw someone going down the wrong way on a one-way street? Has anybody ever seen that? What do you think when they're doing that? That guy, here's what my dad would always say. That guy's on dope. He says the word dope all the time. That guy's on, that, that guy's taking dope. And, and, and you're sitting there and you're thinking of all the, the dumb things you could do that, that this man is doing. And you, and you think you're going to tell him, honk, honk, you're going the wrong way. Do you not think he notices it when all the headlights are facing him? Okay, now let's reverse that. You accidentally turned down on a one-way street. What do you think people are thinking about you? Look at that idiot. Why is he doing that? What's wrong with him? That preacher's on dope. That's what you're going to think. Because you know why? When other people do the things that, 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 that we do, we don't have as much patience as we want patience when we do those. You've got to die daily. Some people are going to say things that offend you. I've heard, you you've heard me say this. I, I preached one time at a, at a church, and I had sang at the church and got in the back of the room, and someone shook my, a lady shook my hand. And she said, you know, I like your preaching, but I'd rather hear you sing. I was like, thank you. You know, people are going to say wrong things to you. It's your choice to be offended. The Bible says in this verse, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law. If you're in this so much, you can't be offended. You can't be. 
That's what he's saying. Because in the midst of these offenses, guess what? You'll have peace. Go to the next verse. It says, Lord, I have hope for my salvation and done thy commandments. And this is an interesting statement when you do this. I have, I have this because I have done this. Watch this. I have money because I have worked. I have food because I have worked. Look what this is saying. I have hope for thy salvation and done thy commandments. He has hope in salvation because he has done the commandments. You want to be um, physically fit? You got to do the exercise. I sit by Gary. I do not. I do not like to talk to Gary Clips when he talks about how much he walks. He sits there and tells me how much he walks. I'm like, oh my word. He said, I walked five or six hours last yesterday. I was like, what? Why? And he goes, because, and then I was sitting there eating with him today. And he said, I ordered a BLT. He said, I can't eat that. I said, I didn't ask you if you wanted to eat it. It's my plate. Amen. <laughs> and, and he said, I can't eat beef and pork because it's not good for my heart. Well, I knew what he was saying, but I could have got a really easy offended because if it's not good for his heart, it's probably not good for my heart. And I was like, okay. But if I want to do exercise, I've got to put my exercise shoes on, get dressed for it and do it. I have because I have. This verse says, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. So what do you get? You get peace and hope. What, what, how we should act? We should act with, when it comes to God's word, in all, rejoicing, loving, and praising. And what do we get to keep? It's interesting. We get to keep thy testimonies, and we get to keep thy precepts. Look at this. It says, my soul hath kept thy testimonies. I love them exceedingly. And I love them exceedingly. That's interesting. It wasn't just that I love them, but I love them exceedingly. You know, what do I get to keep, I get to keep his commandments. See, sometimes we think rules are terrible, but rules are there to protect you. God's commandments are there to protect you. They're not there to make you miserable. They're there to help you. And if you have the right perspective of it, in that aspect of your parents, when they'd always say, because I said so. I told myself I would never say that to my kids, but when you're dealing with kids, you don't have to explain everything. Because I said so is enough. I'm, I, I can't sit there and try to explain electricity to my kids. I just know that you're not supposed to put a fork in the side of, in, in an outlet. And I could sit there and try to explain it and try to explain it. They're not going to understand it. But if I say, because I said so, that's, that should be good enough. And if God said, because I said so, it should be good enough. And the Bible says this. It says, my soul hath kept thy testimonies. I love them exceedingly. This is the inner side of you. It says your heart at the beginning. Now it's saying your soul. And look at the last part. It says, I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies. Man, we got to keep these things. we got to honor these things and love these things. Psalm 119, there's only six verses that don't deal with God's word. That don't actually say, the, everything deals with God's word, but it actually says it in Psalm 119. Every verse except six verses don't come back to that word. Thy word, thy judgments, thy precepts, thy commandments. It's supposed to be doing that. And why... Why did David say he kept thy judgments and precepts? Read the last verse. What's it say? For all my ways are before thee. If you have that aspect, 
that God sees everything, and you know He does. How many of you believe that God sees everything? God knows everything. How come it is we are like Jonah? When God tells us to go this way, sometimes we go that way. And God still sees it. And we were studying Jonah in our, in our Sunday school. It's funny that he says he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. You can't do that. And that's what David is saying here. He's saying you've got to keep these things. You know why? Because God keeps an accurate record. How many of you, when you were younger, I don't, need to, I don't want to con- you to confess sins, but listen to this. How many of you did things you shouldn't have that your mom and dad wouldn't have been for, but they never found out about it? Did you raise your hand? I'm one. I, I did that. And don't look at them and go, what was it? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but the aspect is this, Bobby. My mom and dad couldn't see everything. But God can. And David's saying, I'm going to keep these things because you're keeping an accurate record. It's that policing agent. (laughs) You slow down when you see a police officer when you're driving, whether you're going over the speed limit or not. You turn your turn signal on earlier than what you normally would. You might even use your turn signal when you see a police officer. (laughs) You drive more careful. If it's raining outside and the police officer's behind you, you know what you have on? Your headlights. Because your windshield wipers are going. When you go over the Virginia line, you're checking those radar detectors out the window because the signs say they're illegal, amen? I'm telling you, when the police officers are there, you act different. God is your policing agent. He created you. He owns you. And you might as well just get happy about it rather than, oh, I want to do whatever I want because I can't flee from the presence of the Lord. I can have hope. I can have peace. I can be in awe. I should be praising. I should love the Lord. I should be rejoicing. And I should keep thy precepts and thy testimonies. That's what I get to keep. And you know what? I should act a certain way when I'm around God's word. 